You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, guys? Hope that you are having a fantastic week, wherever you happen to find yourself in your week. Uh, We are continuing our series entitled Higher Plans, which is a sub-thread of our year-long series entitled Threads. Uh, I love that in this sub-thread of Higher Plans, Redemption and Holiness got slotted for back-to-back weeks. If you didn't catch that um, last week, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that one. There's going to be some parallels between last week's message and this week's message. It's important that we realize that we are not just redeemed. We talked about that from last week, that there is redemption, but we're not just redeemed from something, but we are redeemed for something. And this week, um, I'm going to link a Bible Project video in the show notes. We watched that uh, for a little bit of context on what holiness means. It's a six-minute video. I would really encourage you to go watch it. I think it would be valuable uh, time spent. And it, it just simply gives that that context. It's not fully like you're we're not basing everything off the video. So the rest of the podcast is completely useless. Um, but it would give you a little bit of context. And, um, one of the things that they talk about is something that we will refer back to a couple times. So the first point this week is we must recognize the holiness of God. We must recognize the holiness of God. The video that is linked in the show notes uh, describes holiness as the simple fact that something is set apart. Obviously God is set apart apart he is unlike anything else and yet we often forget that truth. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 2 it says there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one set apart like the Lord. There is no one besides you and there is no rock like our God. There is no one set apart like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. If we believe a statement like that to be true, The question that I have to ask myself and that I would encourage you to ask yourself is why, why do we so often go looking for answers elsewhere? One of the greatest conundrums of the human experience is knowing that he is perfect, that he is a perfect God, and then looking for fulfillment in the world or in people. That we would, would, we would be people who are like, yes, like God is good. God is great. God is holy. He is set apart. And yet we often neglect to go to him for answers. That is insane. And yet we do it all the time. I love the last part of that verse. There is no rock like our God. All throughout scripture, Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone. And a cornerstone was a, a part of a building, building's foundation, which every part of the structure was built off of. It was the most important thing. It, it was literally this cornerstone that the walls would be built off of. The structure, if, if the cornerstone was not set correctly, the building would not be correct. The building would be uh, off kilter. It would not not have the foundation that it that it needed. All of these things, a cornerstone was incredibly vital. The most important thing. And Jesus is described as a cornerstone. So Jesus, the cornerstone, is set apart and he is unlike anything else, which in turn means that what was built upon him and what will be built upon him will be unlike anything else. I wonder if we could be people who build our lives upon him, him being our cornerstone, because we are people who are uninterested in building something normal. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be set apart. I want my life to be holy. Don't you? 
I want the world to to look at our lives both individually and collectively and say there is something different about them. There is something set apart about the way that they live their lives, the way that they treat people, the way that they engage with the world. And that leads us right into our next point is that we are called to be holy or set apart. We are called to be holy, set apart. But the question has to be, how do we do that? First of all, I think we have to come to terms with the fact that it will not be simple. It will be confusing, challenging, and sometimes outright infuriating. But it will always be worth it. There's a passage in 1 Peter where the Apostle Peter is writing to a group of people located in these Roman provinces. And the people that Peter are writing to are Gentiles who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Essentially, Peter's writing to you and me. We are Gentiles trying to figure out what it's like to follow Jesus. And I would really encourage you guys to read the entire book of 1 Peter. It's only five chapters, but I'm going to cherry pick a little from the first few chapters as Peter calls the people to be holy. The first passage is this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you who is holy. You also are holy in all of your conduct, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be set apart because I am set apart. So the next point this week is we are called to be people focused on who Jesus is, not who we are. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it bears repeating. This phrase, set your hope completely, completely, entirely on the grace to be brought to you. We make a habit of setting our hope and our own ability to be different. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. But that is effort. And the call isn't effort. The call is to surrender. We have been conditioned to believe that maximum effort will always equal maximum results. And unfortunately, if we go at the fastest pace with the greatest efforts, it will often lead to burnout and breakdown, not results. My hope for all of us is that we would become people who allow God to change us, to to refine us, not to try to will ourselves into being different. It's not about our effort. You see, obedience without question will lead us to transformation. I want to be transformed. I want to be more like Jesus. And my effort is not going to transform me spiritually. My obedience will. And, and please hear me. Sometimes God might ask us to sprint. Sometimes God might ask us to work really, really hard, but we must be people who let him dictate the pace. It is not our job to dictate the pace. It is Jesus's job to dictate the pace. And we just say yes and amen. I'm going to follow Jesus and be obedient to what he's calling me to do. Obedience requires us to be in tune with that which God is asking us to do. It's not just being people who go fast all the time, who work our hardest, who are super ultra mega Christians in the face of the people around us or the world around us. And we put on this big, big show about how hard we're trying to be Christians, but people who are set apart, who are focused on the voice of God and would say, I'm going to run at the pace that you are asking me to run, not just in life in general, but in each specific season. Sometimes it's going to be a sprint. Sometimes it's going to be a walk. Sometimes it's going to be somewhere in between. Sometimes it might be God asking us to, to stand still, but we have to let Jesus dictate the pace. The passage goes on to say in verses 
18 through 19, this is for, you know, that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. This is just a double down. This is just Peter saying, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus and what he did on the cross. Let us not lose focus on that, which changes everything. Verses 22 through 25 go on to say, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like a flower of the grass, the gray wither, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. We talk about this a lot around here, and I'm just here to tell you that we always will talk about it a lot. If it ever seems repetitive, then good. It's too important not to be repeated. And it's this, is that the word of God is what will set us apart. The word of God is what will set us apart. If we become people who commit to consuming scripture, change will be the natural result. It isn't just another book, but a library of holy, uh, see, like, hear that, set apart, holy instructions that were intentionally given to us. It is an incredible gift. Let us not neglect it. I believe that if we made a commitment to being in the word daily, every relationship in our lives would change, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ is teaching us through his word. This phrase, the word of the Lord endures forever. And it will, whether we consume it or not, the word of the Lord will endure forever. Whether we share it or not, the word of the Lord will endure forever. I believe that. There have been several movements throughout history that have tried to destroy the Bible, and yet 2,000 years later, it's still the most influential book on earth. A side note, I was just curious about this. 3.8 billion copies sold of the Bible. The next 820 million. 3 billion more copies sold of the Bible than any other book in history. It is incredibly influential, not just in our country, but all over the world. This this book, this instruction manual on how to live like Jesus is absolutely incredible. And yet we often treat it like it's just something to be put on a nightstand or on a coffee table, not something to be consumed with everything in us. And I am just as guilty as anybody else to neglect this thing that God has gifted me, the word of God himself. I want to be somebody who aids in the endurance of the word of God, not be a roadblock to it. Don't you? It might not be dependent on us, but I want to be a part of the movement. I want to say, yeah, 50 years from now, when the Bible is still the most influential book in the world, I want to say, yeah, I was a part of that. I wasn't a barrier to that. I was a part of that. I pushed the message of Jesus with a ton of grace and a ton of truth. And I got Bibles in people's hands and said, this is going to change your life because it has changed mine. The second chapter of First Peter says this, or the second chapter, first verse says this, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. 
So right off the top of chapter two, a lesson that I continually have to learn and you may need to as well. Practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. Uh, A simple example. Something happened uh, this last week. Um, I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to it uh, the week that it's released, there's something really big that happened in the United States um, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It has created an uproar um, in people. Some people are taking a victory lap. Some people are angry. There's people who are in between, and there are people who are just going at one another. Uh, And multiple times I saw phrases... Um, I'm going to try to give you the PG version that would just say, if you hold to this belief, then go ahead and unfriend me or unfollow me because I don't know how you could possibly believe X, Y, and Z. This is on both, both sides of this issue. And, uh, I posted on my story on Instagram and I said this, telling people who disagree with you to unfollow slash unfriend you is a product of a world that can no longer dialogue about important things. We need to lean into conversations, not run from it. Surrounding yourself with people who simply agree with you is dangerous for you and for them. We need each other, difference and all, and mostly we need Jesus. And I had a ton of interaction with that, a lot of people messaging me. And it was really interesting because right after I posted that, I just got on my feed and this pastor that I follow, who I often disagree with, posted something um, that I felt was really aggressive and that I disagreed with. And my thumb hovered over the unfollow button. And I was like, oh my gosh, like 30 seconds. And I am, I am tempted to do exactly what I was just saying we shouldn't do. And then I got a message from a couple people uh, that were fairly aggressive that disagreed with me. And everything in me just wanted to ignore them. And then I was like, wow, wow. Like I just threw up this thing, like this this simple idea, this simple concept on my story, the, something that I, I felt like I truly believed. And yet when faced with it, with it in, in mere hours of posting it, I was fighting my own desire to disengage with those who I disagreed with. We have to be people who practice what we preach. If we're going to say something, we have to follow through. We cannot be hypocrites. And we all have hypocrisy in our lives. A couple months ago, we did a series called Hunting the Hypocrite. And and we talked about different ways that we find hypocrisy present itself in our lives. But we have to be people who hunt those areas down and kill them as fast as we can. It could be the way that we simply treat people, that we would say, oh, I follow Jesus, but the way that we actually physically treat people, the the thing that people see us do as we interact with the world around us is completely hypocritical, that we are not a representation of Jesus. We are not practicing what we preach. Or it could be the way that we think about people. It's not what people see, but it's something that is going on in our heads. And we are hypocrites because we tell people that they need to love others and they we need to accept others and we need to engage with people and we need to do all these different things. But in our heads, we are just dragging people through the mud or, or we're telling people that Jesus loves them and forgives them. And yet the way that we think about ourselves isn't in line with that. Jesus' grace and forgiveness is enough for you. And yet we believe it's not enough for ourselves and we get in our heads and we believe that we are unworthy or it could be the way that we speak about people. Many of us, myself included, are really guilty of gossip, of, 
of talking about other people's lives and and rarely is it positive we we see something that somebody did and it could be people that we don't even know celebrities pastors and other places it could be uh, sports like uh, athletes it could just be anybody and we tend to talk about them and gossip and do those things and this is what peter's saying like get rid of malice get rid of deceit get rid of this hypocrisy this envy this slander if you want to be set apart, if you want to be holy, you have to be people who intentionally sift through these things because the world rarely does that. The world rarely sifts through these hard processes of thinking about how we treat people and the way that we speak to people and the way that we think about people. The world, the world lives by a culture of a you-do-you mentality. But we aren't called to be like the world. We are called to be set apart. We are called to be holy. The last verse that I want to look at, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, simply says this, You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stones. It's just too good. Full circle. We are called to be holy because He is holy. We get the opportunity to be living stones because he is the living stone. What is being built off of us? So we talked about the importance of the cornerstone, Jesus being the cornerstone, us getting the opportunity to be living stones. What is being built off of us? Are our lives a living representation of Jesus? Do people see the love, grace, forgiveness of mercy of Jesus when they look at our lives? Do they see that? When we look at that which is being formed through our influences and the way that, that people are influenced by us, are they holy? Are our influences set apart? Are we leading people towards Jesus? Is there something different about the way you and I influence people over the way that the rest of the world influences people? Is it set apart? Is it holy? If yes, then what can we do to continue to see health? I think it's getting into the word and it's prayer and it's surrounding yourself with healthy community. It's, it's a bunch of things and it could be its own sermon series, but but we need to do some self-assessment and say, what do I need to do to stay healthy? That, that I would be somebody who continues to have healthy things built off of the influences in my life. And if we can't say yes, if we're like, no, the things being built off of us are not set apart, they're not holy, then what walls do we need to knock down in order for something healthy to be built? These aren't questions to cause guilt, but hopefully cause some serious self-evaluation. That we would be people who would say, okay, I get the opportunity to be a living stone, a royal priesthood, a representation of Jesus. Am I doing it well? And if you're not, that's okay. It's a process. You're being refined and you're being redeemed towards something. Holiness is not grasped in just a simple act of following Jesus. It is a process of being refined. But we have to ask ourselves these questions on a regular basis. In the end, it comes down to our willingness to surrender our lives, not just once, but daily. So let us be people who freely invite Jesus to knock down the walls of our life, to knock down anything in our life that is not reflecting him. Not just once, not just twice, but every single day. As we pursue the idea of being set apart, just like Jesus is set apart. As we pursue being holy, because Jesus is the most holy. 
Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.